0: And we are recording Man, the Patience of a Saint. Please introduce yourself to everybody listening. Tell them a little bit
1: about yourself and let's jump into this thing. Awesome, Tommy. Welcome. Uh, Thank you for having me uh, on your podcast. My name is Michael Huang. I've been practicing medicine at Roseville, California for the past 20 years, plus years. And uh, past two years with the pandemic, which just saw a complete destruction in common sense and uh, critical thinking. And I've been a front runner with uh, people like Peter McClough, Robert Malone, in fighting the the mass psychosis. And uh, I have treated thousands of COVID patients successfully and also help uh, uh, basically protect and and save over 2,000 jobs across America. And most importantly, I help uh, over a thousand kids come off uh, face masks and prevent face masks, prolong face mask use related injury. And I'm running for California State Senate uh, to take the fight to Sacramento. We need to uh, basically uh, get rid of the malign- malignancy right at the root. So uh, we've been very busy uh, with our campaign and uh, yeah, that's who I am. Beautiful. So
0: just to kind of cut through it all, what, what is it that you are planning to do that will sort of reverse and make impossible for the disastrous effects of the COVID lockdowns to happen again? It's I've, I've interviewed, I mean, over 700 people, but probably like 10 or 20 candidates for different things in different state or for US Congress. And um, one thing I've kind of found is like, I remember halfway through the interview that it's my podcast and I'm not watching it. And instead, I'm conducting it. And I'm like, oh, wait, I can just cut right through. If you yeah. hear someone talking about all the wonderful things we're going to do, it's like, what are you actually right. going to do? So I don't mean right. that as an attack or anything, but rather, sure.
1: let's just get to it. What, what will you be able to do? Sure. Uh, personally, uh, a couple of weeks ago, after I seen about 100 kids, uh, kids, high school, elementary school, kindergarten, for mass injuries. And I realized all the little boy I saw, they all had speech impediment. That means they had difficulty pronouncing words and why not? Because they've been using masks for you know past year and a half. I realize I can work until I see another 10,000 people, until I pass off have a stroke. You won't make a dent, right? The issue is coming from the state, coming from the Senate. What I can do as a state senator is um, basically galvanize and encourage the grassroots effort from all across California up. North and South California, to um, have parents and concerned citizen uh, pressure their legislators, assemblymen, senator, and say, "No, we got to stop this mandate. We cannot pass any more crazy bills." That uh, I don't know what you know. California had ten crazy um, senate bills that's coming down. Basically, going to restrict and take away your ability to speech speak freely and, and uh, protect your children and, and medical freedom and whatnot away. So we had to galvanize the, the grassroots support and the energy to call, email, show up at their senator and the assemblyman's office and say, we don't want this. Because even if I get elected as a senator going in as a junior senator, they're not going to listen to me, right? But if they know that you find, against certain type of bill, certain type of legislature and I can galvanize over two million supporters across California and they're gonna go after them, call them, email them, show me out their office, they're gonna listen to me. And they're gonna realize, wow, they can't just trample on our liberty, right? Trample on our medical freedom and and uh and and basically say, hey, this is a socialist state. They need to know that they cannot do that. This is America yeah. afro. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Could could you maybe in that piece of paper you just had, could you maybe uh, address some of those those bills that they're trying to push through?
1: Sure. Some of the major bill is uh, basically found not complying f- uh, with the California Department of Public Health measure, be it vaccinating your kids or vaccine COVID vaccine for, for work. They can send the police and sheriff after you. Yeah? So I think they already nicked that bill. Uh, there's a lot of opposition to that one. There's another one, uh, kids 12 and up, Uh, basically have the ability to make vaccination decision uh, for themselves and without parents' uh, um, authorization. Other ones are um, if you're found to, quote-unquote, spread misinformation or um, found to not advocating uh, that uh, COVID vaccine, you're going to have your license stripped, medical license. Yeah, this is not Russia. This is not China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, let me see here. Da, 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 da. Yeah. So, yeah, basically what I say, right? So, basically anything that you are trying to to say and, and express, like, hey, I don't agree with this. These 10 bills are designed to basically take that ability for you uh, away for you to have a uh Scientific discussion, right? Yeah. Uh, a roundtable uh, discussion and, and make things better. They just, basically, they have a, a Bible of truth. If you go against their Bible of truth, they're going to go after you.
0: That's so, that's so insane, especially because we know what's going to happen. is It's going to be corrupted by lobbyists, and there are going to be lobbyists who push for their company line to be the truth and anything against it misinformation that would be like that would be like if these laws existed and then mcdonald's was allowed to lobby against anybody talking about how there's a direct link between happy meals and getting fat like that's exactly what this is and it's going to be abused for all future uh, pharmaceutical drugs as well
1: yeah and one of some of the more egregious uh, bills they want to pass is they basically want to allow the government agency have direct link to your medical record without any Um, HIPAA regulation or or, uh, foresight. So basically the government can look and and review your medical record without any restriction. So it's just a next step of uh, social credit. Mm -hmm. Uh, The big brother is going to watch over you. I mean, I I can't believe that they want to do this in California, well, California is a crazy state, but if you take these senators, there's only a handful of them that continuously spew all these horrible bills in the past month. And uh, if you take them to, uh, what state are you from, Tommy?
0: Uh, I'm in Maryland. I'm from New Hampshire. I live in Maryland. I've lived in Georgia, Maine, Arkansas, all over the place.
1: So if you take these senator and you move them to, let's say, Texas, Idaho, Florida, or, or your home state. They'll get run out of the state, right? Yeah. And they'll be like, who, "Who are you? Why are you proposing these bills?" And and that um, basically want to um, and, and transform our society into a socialist. State. So, yeah, but th- this is the fact in California, and they are fighting it right now as we speak. Now there are hundreds of parents over at the Sacramento uh, being very very vocal and. and take their turn to speak. And they only have 30 seconds to talk about why these bills are, are bad, right?
0: So if in any other state, these candidates would get run out of the state and rightfully so, then the reason why it's being proposed in California is clearly it's a conducive environment to these sort of radical, insane beliefs and stances. What, what chance do you have at, at repealing them? or diverting them, or making sure they don't go through?
1: The first step we need to take is there has to have, we need to have a senator or assemblyman that's brave enough to stand up and say, yes, even though I'm the only one, I'm the first one that's going to say, these bills are BS, right? We need to stop them. you got to get started somewhere. Okay, Um, You'll be wonderful if Larry Elder was elected, uh, when we did a California governor recall that he is the governor, that he has a lot more say than me. But we got to start somewhere. So I'll be the junior senator and I'll be very, very vocal. That just that's the first step Okay. Two, like I said, we have to maintain that drive and thirst from everyone in California to basically talk to their senators and assemblymen and put that pressure on them. Right. If Mike, uh, Michael Huang say, hey, th- these bills are violating our constitution, are trampling on liberty, if he is against these bills, I'm going to hear it from my constituent because he has four, five, six million people that are supporting uh, what he would like to do with the state. So that's the pressure that I'm counting on. How do I do that? I'm, I'm constantly making connection between Northern Southern California I was done at Santa Barbara a week ago. I was at Robert Malone's uh, stand-up for Santa Barbara uh, uh, meeting to fight for medical freedom. So we're making connection north and south. Uh, in my practice, in the past two years, I have seen America. People want to fly in from Canada to see me for exemptions. Uh, people from your state, Arkansas, Florida, every state across our, our, our country, are, you know, flying in to see me for exemptions. So yeah, I mean, it's, we, everyone is, you know, people just want to do something to help. So we're making those connections and, and uh, that's how we build this spot network.
0: I uh, just last week interviewed um, Dr. Steffens. Um, are, you, are you, is there something rubbing against your microphone? Oh, it's just. Oh, yeah. No, sorry. It was, it's coming. It was coming through loud. Um, Dr. Steffens is a, a Kansas State Senator, and I believe they just pushed through a medical freedom bill in Kansas, and their hope was that other states would start picking up on that. Is that something that would be beneficial? If you talk to Dr. Steffens, would there be any way to, I don't know, get support for a similar bill in California?
1: Of course, um, but you know, if I'm not in the state senate. Uh, there's not much I can do. Right? Yeah, um, the California has such a huge uh, Democrat majority, and after um, throwing my hat running for as a state senator, I realized that GOP, uh, the Republican, the conservative party here, it, it's pretty. They're pretty weak. Uh, they the the way they act, the way they talk, they act like they're already defeated, and they're not motivated to make any change. So, I, you know, I can strongly suggest a certain type of bill to my state senator and assemblyman. Matter of fact, I have reached out to my local assemblyman five times. He doesn't even bother to call me back, and he's, he's Republican. Um, so that's the reason why I felt like, my gosh, I, I got to get in there and, uh, and, and represent the people and get our voice heard. If you get into office are there
0: are you going to push for any sort of uh criminal trial for the people that have uh, perpetuated the suppression not only discussion but the uh, prescribing and use of alternative uh drugs used in early tr- that you've obviously used that Dr. Farid's used that Dr. Tyson's used like ivermectin hydroxychloroquine because I always look at you know the number the VARE's deaths and there's what like 26,000 now but if we look at the number of deaths in the United States over 800,000, and if individuals like yourself and Dr. Freed and Dr. Tyson have shown that with 100% efficacy, the early treatment works, by default, those responsible for suppressing these treatments, not just the discussion of them on social media, but as well as the pharmacies refusing to prescribe them and the doctors speaking out against them, I honestly feel like there have to be criminal criminal trials. I mean, there are 800,000 people dead. And you can't say that not you, not you, uh, doctor, but I mean, the individual, you can't say that that there wasn't an incentive for this to happen. If Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca, Janssen and Janssen are making record-breaking profits for drugs that cost money, vaccines that are shown to be, what, like 14% effective, and no one's allowed to discuss, use, or prescribe the alternative generic uh, patent list uh, medications like ivermectin hydroxychloroquine I, I i sometimes i feel like i'm going insane that no one's looking around and saying that this is a crime against humanity is there anything you'll be able to do to pursue that or is that is that out of your your pay is that above your pay grade
1: i, I don't think it's above anyone's pay grade i think these stuff investigation can be initiated by you me our neighbor our friends and family um I mean just yesterday I had a 40-year-old came in and, and saw me for uh COVID and vaccine related injury. He is paralyzed from the left side. He's losing his marriage. He has two young kids, you know, um, 3 1-year-old and 3-year-old. And he's just devastated because he didn't receive early outpatient treatment. He did not have to suffer this massive heart attack and stroke because he's <laughs> vaccinated, then he got COVID because of the vaccine and COVID combination, he, his body was in a wreck. He had blood clots, stroke, massive heart attack. 40 year old sitting in my office, drove almost three hours from San Francisco come and see me because no one else will help him. I look at this, I look at the number of people that have died in our country. Like you said, it's close to a million, you know, either with or because of COVID, right? That's more than the number of people that have died during the civil war.
0: It's twice the number of soldiers that were killed in
1: World War II, American right. soldiers. This is a crime against American. Definitely it's a crime against humanity. If we're talking about throughout the war, because of the lockdown, and shutdowns, and the collateral injury, hundreds and thousands of kids are being starved as we speak. I don't know whether you've gone without a meal for a day or two, and it's pretty painful. Okay, I, I've seen some of my patients there, Are adopted from China, and they were adopted when they were a a year and a half, and they were they live in orphanages where they, you know, they don't have food, and they're constantly looking for things to eat. Even to this day, she's almost twenty. She will hide food underneath her pillow, all over her bedroom, because I fear that pain that she experienced. Imagine millions of kids in the world are suffering from hunger, not to mention death. Right. Uh, and, and there's a lot of tuberculosis patients that are not being treated, not being managed, because all the clinics got shut down. So this is definitely a crime against humanity. Is it premeditated, or is it just pure stupidity and pure fear? I think it's a little bit of everything. But those people that, have, that can be found responsible and, and say, hey, you should know better, are the people that, like myself, like the the governments, like, like the the politicians, that have that high responsibility. If I did not act, if I did not say, "Hey, I can see clearly what this really is—COVID. It's just a very bad virus, very bad cold." If I cannot see that clearly, I should not be a physician, right? And if I did not step up and do my job and treat it—I don't know how many thousands of people with various COVID-related issues—then I should be found guilty. Negligent, right? I did not do my, do my job. And uh, the sad thing is, me, Peter McCloud, a few other brave physicians across this, the country, 500 of us, that's 0.1% of doctors that have actually actively treated COVID. And we had treated close to a million COVID patients with 100%, literally 100% success rate, compared with almost a million people dead in America despite the lockdown shelter in place, vaccine mandates, mass mandate on that. And they still don't listen to us to this day, right? And sure that you remember that Robert McCall, McCall said, even to this day after two long years, we don't have one teaching hospital, university with early outpatient treatment. So yeah, I mean, any one of us can initiate that complaint and, and, but the administration has to change. Right now, CDC, NIH, uh, the heads all flow, uh, you know, between the pharmaceutical company and the government agencies, and they have they don't need to answer to anybody, anyone. I think the administration really needs to change. That's when we take, can take step and say, uh-uh, you cannot do this anymore. If you commit a crime, if you're hiding evidence that these vaccines or these some of the medicines are dangerous, are killing people then you had to pay for it all
0: right. yeah and um it uh it's it's not just that it's not like someone with, like me was in charge who does a podcast and i don't know anything about medicine and i the, the guy comes to me in the white coat and says the vaccines work and i say the vaccines work and you shut down all of the discussion um, are you
1: going to medical school or oh, No,
0: no. I I got into medical school in 2013. I graduated the University of Georgia in twenty thirteen. I got into medical school at the University of Miami, and decided not to go. Oh, I was, hold on. I was, yeah. I didn't think it's what I really wanted, and it's uh, it took like a year of deciding that. But I decided like a couple months before I was supposed to start that I didn't think I wanted to go, and I applied to pharmacy school. I got into pharmacy school, and then thought about that and wasn't sure if I wanted to do that and then several years later started the podcast so i got into medical school and pharmacy school but ultimately decided i didn't want to do it but i look at i look at what you said is it incompetence or is it premeditated <clears throat> i don't i don't think it's incompetence i don't think it's premeditated in that they necessarily set out to murder a million americans i don't think that's the case but i but i'm not willing to let them off the hook with they're incompetent or they're stupid because they knew exactly what they were doing. If an alternative treatment exists then they couldn't use the emergency use o- authorization act, emergency use authorization. Sure. There are, you know, there are other things. Of course, the government always wants more power. They always want to be, be able to exert influence on every aspect of your life. And those powers will always be ushered in during a time of emergency. And then years later will be abused for mundane things like the Patriot Act. But I don't think that was the reasoning behind it either. I really do think that this was a a money grab, and I think, unlike other money grabs, I think this maybe this one sticks out because it resulted in a million deaths. And I just don't, I don't think the individuals behind this, the the ones lobbying the FDA and the NIH and the NIAID and the CDC, the ones behind the the heads of, of Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson and AstraZeneca and Moderna, like you said, it's all a revolving door They go from the agency to the company to the agent, just like the military industrial complex and the, the boutique contractors and going back to the, the Pentagon. I'm not willing to give them the benefit of the doubt that it's incompetence. I don't, again, I don't think it's that they set out to kill people. I think they set out to make money and unlike Unlike maybe Oxycontin, where they knew it would kill some people, but it was mostly you just get addicted and you're there for life. I think that one maybe slips or evades the public consciousness because you're just addicted. Sure, there's some overdoses, suicides, and they pay out $2.3 billion in 2009, but then it kind of gets brushed under the rug. Yeah, whatever. You, you expect it. Yeah, Big Pharma is evil. Sure. I think this one is, I think it was. It was business as usual, but it overstepped something and it resulted in a million
1: deaths. Let's think about this a little bit. For example, if a snake oil salesman come to your door and say, hey, Tommy, here's a bottle of uh, elixir, if you drink it, Uh, you will live forever. Right, you're going to stay healthy. You're not going to develop dementia, this and that. And because of that sales, um, a million Americans die. Okay, So we can definitely say, oh, yeah, let's go after this guy. Are there characters like that during the pandemic? I would definitely think so. I mean, look at the Pfizer vaccine, right? Uh, it's still going to take about 70 years to for them to release <laughs> everything, all the information. And, and the data that we have seen recently, number of side effects and death. They knew that from the very beginning, but yet last April, the head of Pfizer came out and said, the CEO said, hey, there's no death, everything is safe, right? The CDC also said that. So we can certainly pin in on that and say, hey, you, were, you knew better that there's a lot of side effect, and this is a criminal act, we need to stop this. But just like the snake oil salesman, if every American bought it, every American believed that this gimmick or this poison is can save their life and we paid the money for it and drank it. I, I think in some way that we are responsible also that we somehow that were fool. The propaganda was so fierce, so strong. The force, the mandate was so immense that most of us partook the the poison. But are we smart enough as Americans, as an individual, to someone knock on the door, want to sell the snake oil and say, no, thank you, we don't want it. We don't I don't believe you. This doesn't work. In order for us to make that judgment, that decision, we need to make sure that we cannot restrict any type of scientific process discussion and say, Hey, you know, feedback on the internet, YouTube and whatnot. Google, so when you Google search, oh, this snake oil is wonderful. It will save your life. It's on the top three search, right? And all the things that people have this feedback and say, no, 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 this is going to kill you. It's on the third page, unless you use .go. So is Google, is Facebook, um, uh, are they also liable? I, I would say definitely. It's, they are a mole of propaganda. Uh, since I I started my Senate run, uh, literally within a day or two, we were heavily censored, heavily, heavily censored. We had video taken down, we had posts taken down. That was absolutely, uh, absolutely benign. So I I think as a as a citizen of this country, as an individual, we definitely need to exercise our capacity to to try to decide something is dangerous for us or not right we can just kind of bought into the narrow um narrative yeah
0: um i do get that the idea that if we all bought into it there's a responsibility that we have to shoulder there's probably also a subconscious thing we don't want to all realize we got duped right you you almost kind of want it to be true it's it's like when you go to like a crappy party or something and like you and some friends went there and you, you know the party sucks but no one really wants to be the first to say the party sucks because then that makes it real. So instead you just get hammered and you're like, no, it's great. And then finally later in the night, someone's like this party blows. And they're like, dude, this sucks. Right. But that's, that's, you know, no one gets hurt with that. I would, I would hundred percent agree with that, except for, um, you did have individuals who didn't take the elixir. I'm one of the only people I know who didn't take the vaccine. My goodness. Uh, and I, I didn't, I didn't, I never told anyone not to get, it. I'm sure somewhere in one of my podcasts, I probably told people not to get it. But from the beginning, I have 99% of the time said, if you want to go get it, if you want to go get 10, go get 10. But everyone in my family, every coworker, every friend, every most podcast guests I've interviewed have all gotten it, which is fine. Go for it. Knock your socks off. My problem is, is when I spoke up about it, That is what led to my suspensions from YouTube in early 2021, and then my ultimate banning from YouTube in August 2021 from having on Dr. McCullough and telling people to go get vitamin D from Walmart. Crazy, huh? And it's not just me. It's not just me talking about this, and I'm some guy spreading misinformation. No, I don't have a medical degree, but I had interviewed several times Dr. Robert Malone. Dr. Peter McCullough, long before, six months before Joe Rogan ever did. Dr. Freed, Dr. Tyson, Dr. Nass, Dr. Merrick, Dr. Alibek, Dr. Hatfield, Dr. (laughs) Dr. Erso. You name them, they've been on. Dr. Alexander, Dr. Hodkinson, all of them, multiple times on here. And that was uniformly, not even censored and suppressed. I was straight up permanently banned from YouTube. I can't get on YouTube. When I look at that, and then you marry that with the incentive, We can't have alternative treatments if we want to have the EUA and thus make this money for a mandated product. And then you look at the fact that they're pushing for 75 and then 55 years to release all the data because they knew from the get-go that it was not safe. All that paints a picture to me that says they knew, regardless of the suppression of ivermectin hydroxychloroquine, let's just remove that, they knew the vaccines weren't safe regardless of the fact that they needed to get rid of the other ones to have the EUA. They knew that these things weren't safe. They knew that they were making money for it by the, what they're doing in court shows that they know it's not safe. And then the suppression of any mention of these drugs online shows a coordinated and I think a probably corrupted cross-pollination between big pharma and big tech mandated by the government through lobbyists and the revolving door from individuals who, so people who knew were suppressing people who knew. A doctor, doctor McCull- no, Dr. McCullough, doctor Malone. These individuals I've had on my podcast from people like myself that didn't take the vaccine and have and were coming out and saying, "I don't think this is all all good in the neighborhood." I citing things in the past like Pfizer and their two point three billion for oxycontin, citing things like thalidomide, citing things like nine out of ten doctors smoke Lucky Strikes, <laughs> and I was censored for that, and I wasn't just censored by big tech you have these companies that we're now seeing knew from the beginning that these things had problems. So to me, that voids incompetence and arrogance and ignorance. That voids all of those excuses because there were people who said, I don't have it. I'm not going to get it. You guys can all take the elixir. And you're right, strong propaganda. I mean, uh, uh, demonizing and outcasting and belittling those and marginalizing those who didn't want to take it outright censorship or firing from jobs threatening livelihoods you cannot go shopping you cannot fly you cannot do x y and z you cannot get health care because this is a choice let alone smoking is a choice and being fat's a choice but we don't address those Uh, to me all excuses of uh ignorance and incompetence are completely out the window by their actions it speaks of nothing but completely Conscience of conscious of what they were doing, I don't think there can be anything other than uh, than a trial. And in terms of big tech, I mean, if we really just want to look at historical precedents, the Nuremberg trials, the media was tried as well. They're in bed. I don't. They're in. In no other aspect in the United States is is ignorance of a law justification for your breaking it. I don't care if the people in the media aren't doctors. It doesn't work for anything else. If you don't know the speed limit, that's your fault. If you don't know what the, the acceptable BAC level is to drive, that's your fault. If you don't know what the laws are regarding the state you're in for concealed carry of a weapon, that's your fault. I think that has to apply to here too. And that's kind of my logic with this, is there's no one, I don't, I don't think anyone can get away with, I didn't know. It, it, too much of it points to, too much of it points to being completely aware. And now, granted, let me make the caveat of everything I just said represents Tommy and not you and not your campaign because I don't want you, I don't want you to get sunk by, you know. No, not at all. But yeah, your thoughts on all of that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so here's the thing. Those are all really good thoughts and ideas. My motto with my campaign is God, country, liberty, and respect. The last word, respect, is so important. In our day and, and age, anything that you say that you may say something I don't agree with, I may say something you will just laugh and say, this guy's an idiot. So what? Right. We should have that ability to be able to discuss things. Um, Peter McClough, he's a strong believer that, he, you know, for, for a while that if you do get COVID, you cannot get it the second time. And my office actually uh, correctly identified Omicron when he first came to the state in November of last year. And I um, contact uh, Peter. I say, hey, you know, you, you can get it again because I got it. I already had natural immunity. And literally within a couple of days, a couple of weeks, he's like, oh, OK, yeah. By the way, you can have it a second time. Right? I didn't go on YouTube and social media and destroy Peter because um, he was, you know, his idea was not exactly right. Hmm. Just talk about it. This is called respect. Right? <laughs> that none of us have the ownership of absolute truth. So can you imagine if we take what's going on now, all the shenanigans with COVID, I mean, literally in the next five years, it could be another thing. But if we take what's going on right on the past two years, we transport what's happening now, to when Ronald Reagan was the president. What do you think at that time, the government and the legislature are gonna do? Do you think they'll be looking at this as like, holy geez, what are you guys are trying to do? We're trying to tear down the Berlin wall, right? <laughs> we look at our freedom of speech, that our, our democracy and liberty is something that's, that's what, the most important thing in our society. And you guys wanna do what with this cold? OK, it's not going to even fly. It's not going to make, even make it through his administration for like two seconds. But look at what's going on with our society now, with you at East Coast, me at West Coast. It's everywhere. We're acting as if we're being treated as if we're an occupied nation. We're being conquered. right? but there's all this crazy mandates and you cannot say this, you're going to be strike. Strike out, exile on this media, that media, YouTube, and this and that. We're conquered nation. We're occupied. Our speech are limited, right? We printed $4 trillion of just cash money, dumping into the society and say, by the way, we going to tax you 50%. $1 is no longer $1. can going buy you 50 cents worth of stuff. The money is stolen by the government. And whatever speech you found to be undesirable, a censor. Uh, people are losing their job. You're being forced to receiving medical therapy that literally kills people, right? You're censoring super cheap and effective therapies. You're basically treating like you are not a citizen of this country anymore. Um, there's no better way of describing That's why everything I do in my practice when I see people with exemption, uh, firemen, nurses, at the end of the visit, I say I will literally spend five ten minutes and tell them, the most important things you can do. Take away from your visit with me is do not comply. Fight like hell. Anything that doesn't make sense, do not comply. Do not put on a mask. Do not get jabbed. Do not get tested when you don't have symptoms that violate the fundamental principle of medicine. This is the most important thing you can do for our country and for our community is that you fight for your freedom. You fight for your citizenship. Every time you comply and say, yes, I just want to exchange, you know, give up some of my freedom for a little comfort, there goes our country. It takes each individual, every one of us to not comply to, to restore our freedom and liberty. It's, and not only that, the, it's the folly
0: of thinking that by complying, you'll get freedom. If, if you have to, I saw some tweet about that like a month or two ago. And it was like, if you just comply, you can go partake in society. And it's like, no, that's prison. When you comply yes. in prison, you get to go to the library. You get yeah. to go, you get have to go into the yard, you get to go play basketball or lift weights. That's complying. When you don't comply, you end up in solitary. That's not how society works. If if you have to comply to get your freedoms back, then they're not your freedoms. The, 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 they're They're a conditional thing that you get. And I mean, listen, there are you know, extraordinary you know, cir- exir- that circumstances do exist. You do have things like a world war, right, where these things do happen. But this is not that. This is a cold with a 99.98% survival rate. Yep. And I think you're absolutely right. It's acting as a, we're an occupied country right now. Yep. And there is nowhere to flee to. This, we are the place where people flee to. <laughs> There's nowhere to flee to. This is the last lifeboat. There's nowhere else. And if we can bend if we bend over for this, then the next thing's gonna be a little more painful. You're gonna to have to do a little more, give up a little more. And then everyone will come will become adjusted to it and comfortable with it. And then a couple of years will pass and there'll be another thing and another and I don't know if it'll be COVID, if it'll be a nine eleven, if it will be a Ukraine, if it will be climate change, whatever it is they're going to keep chipping away at it until one day we're going to wake up and wonder how in the hell did we get here but by then it's over and to me it's what you said earlier right at the beginning of this podcast you have to treat it at the source all these peripheral things are all secondary and tertiary symptoms from what is the source i try to look at it as well like what is the what is the target on which we need to fire a, a silver bullet, really, really like a sil- silver artillery shell. And I think it's freedom of speech. I think it's the free flow of information. The free flow of information is like it's like free flowing acid. It can dissolve anything. It can, you you, you can have these fabrications, these manufactured illusions of consent or ideas or follow the science, but they will always be dissolved like plastic in a vat of acid by the truth. Sometimes it takes a little time. It takes a minute. Sometimes it takes a year. But the truth does eventually come out. If they can compartmentalize, much like the Titanic, so instead of the whole thing flooding, compartmentalize, that's not a good example because the Titanic did sink. But if they can compartmentalize the flow of truth, then they can pull off an occupation. They can pull off a socialist hellscape. And to me, that's kind of the crux of the entire thing is the free flow of information. Because once, once that flows, you really can't uphold. You can for a little bit. If, you have, if it's coordinated and you have all the media on your side, you can hold up a lie for a little bit. But eventually the truth comes out. So that's kind of me. For me, that's, like, that's the source of it. That's the thing that needs to be destroyed.
1: The freedom of speech, like you said, is the most powerful weapon. The freedom of speech and the exchange of idea is the most powerful thing there is. If you look at Albert Einstein, uh, with the that's the smartest scientist that we have ever known, the history of man that that recorded history right theory of relativity, even at the time of his death he when he was a professor at Princeton, he never came up and say, "Any of you dare to challenge my theory of relativity i'm going to slap you with my book of truth right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. you cannot discuss you cannot op- propose opposite theory contrary to my my scientific discovery, and whatnot. He has never said that once. There's always really vibrant and heated uh, exchange of idea, discussion, sometimes even screaming, yelling match over at Princeton, over a different concept and in scientific idea. one that's how this society progress. Um, my my hobby is auto racing. I, I race cars. Um, um, I have a couple of race cars. I, I, you know, I work on cars myself, and on the racetrack, my race engineer will be say, will be saying to me, "Hey, Mike, you know, I want you to go a certain speed into this corner, carry a little more speed on on your way out. Uh, don't use the brake too much, and we're going to use different compound brakes and stuff like that, different compound tire." There's always discussion, constant discussion. If he comes to me, if I hire a race engineer, he say, hey, this is the book of truth of how to win a race. If you go contrary to that, you know, you're not allowed to drive. Right? And I'll be the slowest guy on the track because the weather can change. Uh, the balance of the race car can change. Um, uh, it just when people say, oh, you know, you cannot discuss. Right? My truth is the only truth. And whatever you say, it's it's we're just gonna go after you. That means they're scared. right? They're pretty pathetic. They're pretty dumb, and uh, and and. But yet, if you look at our society, it's it's everywhere now. So yeah.
0: Side note: What got you in a racing? I'm sorry. What got you in a racing?
1: Oh yeah, I never want to be a doctor. I want to be a fighter pilot, um, an, an uh, engineer at heart. Um, I'm short of flying, I'm doing low level, low level flying, which is auto racing. Right? Yeah, you flip the airplane upside down so you yeah. always try to stay down and not going up. Yeah, so um, racing, I really love it because I, I love cars. I have uh, all kinds of cars who engine in, in the nose and the engine in the butt, and I just like a good challenge. Um, it's just, uh, it just refreshing for me, you know, get out on the racetrack, who cares what religion you are, what race you are, what you do for work, uh, at the end of the day is what that lifetime is and speed is. And and I find that to be quite comforting. Why did you go into medicine? I went to medicine because I was a missionary for my church after high school uh, for the Mormon church. Um, After a month, I said to my mission president, hey, I really don't believe in this religion. Um, I, I don't think I want to continue. And he said, well, Elder Huang, I, I still think that you should finish up your mission. You know, after two years, if you don't believe in it, then, and then you know that your decision is right. So I said, okay, that's fair. So I, I continue with my mission. And during my mission, we work mainly with uh, refugees from Southeast Asia. Uh, you know, we don't own anything as missionary. We walk everywhere. Uh, we write public transit over at Chicago and New York. And I find that the happiest things I I can feel as a person is actually making a difference in someone's life. So at that time, I felt like, wow, you know, certainly I can do that as an aerospace engineer. Um, but I feel like uh, maybe, you know, I can feel this about joy on a daily basis as a physician. That's when I decided going to go into medicine. Um, it's been a very, very long role. In the past couple of years, has really challenged my the reason why I really want to do this. You know, am I going to advocate for my patient? I have, I have over twenty complaints in the California Medical Board right now. I fought them once a couple of years ago and won, so I know they have no interest in there, not there to advocate for patients' best interests or my best interests. So yeah, why do I go into medicine? Because I want to make a difference in people's life. And um, in in the past two years has been unbelievably difficult. And it really tests my mettle. And as far as this is really what I want to do.
0: Do you you regret it at all? Do you wish you had gone into racing or being a fighter pilot? Or are those more of exhilarating and fun escape valves for stress but maybe don't offer the fulfillment that medicine offers
1: i think joy and happiness comes when you are super focused and concentrated on one thing I absolutely hundred know, know what what's your hobby tommy
0: well right now i'm doing i'm doing the podcast before i was pre-med i was really into weightlifting in high school and okay. did that and that did pre-med and after uh After that, I I taught myself graphic design for three years. And then after that, I started the podcast. And started the podcast on December 12th, 2019. Today is March 30th, 2022. This is episode 767. I do this nonstop. I've interviewed Dr. Robert Malone, Dr. McCullough, Charlie Duke, the youngest man to walk on the moon, uh, Howard Bloom, Michael Jackson's publicist. I've had on Mike Durant, the Black Hawk I've I've interviewed so many people of the coolest walks of life. This is my passion now, but you hit the nail on the head. To me, it's really not so much what the passion is. It's when you have a, like an impossible, my, I have an impossible goal. I want to be the biggest podcast in the world. When I have an impossible goal on the horizon and I pursue it with 110% of my being, to me, that's bliss. Yes. It's a dog chasing a ball. There's nothing, nothing else in the world matters. When I wake up every morning, wake up, make my bed, go to the gym, do a mile of cardio, lift weights, cold shower, meditation, podcast. Got to upload them. I'm my own producer. I'm the editor. I manage the social media. I'm the scheduler. I find the guests. I research the guests. I listen to the books. I coordinate episodes. Taking a day off, when I take a day off, I, I don't know what to do. I'm bored. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like, this isn't when, when I'm pursuing a goal. Yeah, I'm a dog chasing a ball. There's nothing else in the universe. There's just the pursuit of the goal.
1: There's very few people lucky as you that can find that focus and that happiness. Right?
0: I feel so bad for people that don't have it.
1: Yeah, and Like what Yilan Ma said, you know, if whatever you do for work, if you don't feel like, hey, I just woke up, I can't wait to get to work, then don't change your job if you don't feel that way because you're not going to be happy. Um, I w- I would say medicine is not one of those for me. Medicine is very painful. It's very long. Uh, there's a lot of sacrifice. Um, but what I find it to be rewarding is the difference I make in people's life. Yeah. Being able to literally, I mean, I, I helped save over 600 firefighters jobs um, they're coming to to me crying and say hey I, I need to bring food home to my to my kids not, not just firemen, nurses now all i see is vaccine injured nurses some days i will see 10 12 15 and the other day i saw 10 uh, nurses they 9 out of 10 has myocarditis <laughs> they have lost 50 percent of the exercise capacity right Jesus Christ. And I will give them ivermectin fluoxamine. They come back and see me two weeks later. They are 100%. So this type of joy is not like auto racing. It's not like skydiving where you can get an instant right? serotonin surge if you thrill, thrilled. Right? It's not like auto racing when I'm strapping my car going down straight at 180 miles per hour, take the corner at 120. It's not like that. It's not easy. Uh, and with you, what you do is not easy. You know, getting the guests, scheduling and booking the interview, and and, and and uploading video. And I've done that before when I, you know, did a lot more auto racing, uploading, you know, racing video. But the joy I have now, seeing the difference of, I, I'm making people's life. Literally, you know, people come up to me and say, hey, Mike, do not give up. We're counting on you to save our life as a senator. I mean, literally, people will say that to me on a daily basis. We're counting on you. We're counting on you to run. There's no one at the guts to say what you say, to do what you do at the state level. We need someone like you. And I mean, my campaign is all grassroots. I have hundreds and thousands of mama bears supporting me. You know, I don't have millions of dollars. I have probably $15,000 in my campaign funds. Uh, talking to you is a way to get my word out. Um, and I usually don't get home, don't go to bed until sometime 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm exhausted. But at the end of the day is what have I done to, to make a difference in your life, in your listener's life, in my friends and family lives in the community, especially to protect all freedom and to make sure that this is still America, right? This is not North Korea, this is not Russia, that we are still being able to have liberty and happiness. The happiness is not being told and forced to do things that's gonna injure your body, right? Happiness is like, hey, I can wake up and, and do my podcast and, and put on my video on YouTube and not feel worried about, oh my gosh, I better tell my um, guests not to say the word vaccine, not to say the word of Robert Malone, not to say this and that. <laughs> That's not happiness, right? That's living in constant fear. And I lived in those fear before I grew up in Taiwan, and right? mm. my parents fought the Japanese and coming Chinese during World War II in China. When I was a little kid in, Taiwan, we used to have air siren drill, where me being the tallest in the class and the last one leaving the class, I had to shut the the tallest window in the class and jump into bomb shelter. Those are fear. Okay. We used to have pamphlets dropped from communist China uh, from the from their airplane. And we were so fearful not to touch those pamphlets, propaganda pamphlets that thinking that if we were to touch it, that we're going to become become a communist Chinese. (laughs) Those pamphlets are being fed to us 24 seven now, through internet, through social media. These poisons are getting into your mind, my mind, my kid's mind, every American's mind, 24 seven. How do we stop that? With the
0: free flow of information,
1: the difference- How do we stop that? How do we stop these poisonous uh, propaganda?
0: And that's the thing is, is you don't. The mindset of, of communism is how do we stop the flow of information in here? The beauty of a, of a well-informed populace, a group of people with, critical, with the capability to think critically, is that you don't have to stop the flow of the poison. You can be exposed to it again and again. You can show me CNN every night of the week, and I'm never going to wake up in, with the hammer and sickle. I'm going to look at them with the middle finger. That's the beauty and that's the power of a free society is you don't need to be stopped. You can drop the pamphlets on me all day. I'll pick them up, look at it and go, this shit's stupid. Like that's the beauty of a, of a well-informed populace. That's the beauty of critical thinking. That's the beauty of fr- the free flow of information. You don't have to stop the poison. You can broadcast Karl Marx every day. A free and well-informed society can look at it and they don't need, a, they don't need Big Brother telling them Don't look at the communist Manifesto. No, you can look at it. Some people might agree with it. Most people look at it and go, I think this caused 100 million deaths in in the 20th century. Screw this. In a communist society, you do not have that. You cannot, you can't be in China and go, yeah, you can look at America. We don't care. No, 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 no. They batten down the internet. They have a social credit score. They have the great firewall of China to block all information because that that structure is not immune when people start looking at america and they go "Wait, you can choose what you do for a living you can say what you want you can run for office why the hell am i here you can't have that and that's to me is the power of this is one has to have constant top-down control airtight you can't let anything flow in the other is just you can throw it's like a strong immune system you can, one is a compromised immune system. You have to put it in a, in a hermetically sealed room and you cannot let anything else come in. The other is like the immune system of like a, of like a kid crawling around on the floor eating dirt. His immune system is like a tank. He can take anything. It doesn't yeah. matter. And to me, that's what America can be. The free flow of information. Sometimes there is misinformation. Dr. McCullough, a good friend of mine. Yeah. He goes on Rogan and goes, you cannot get uh COVID twice. And then he comes on my podcast like a month later and goes, hey, I was 100% wrong.
1: Yeah, You move, you
0: adapt, you move, and you overcome that. Exactly. You don't have to, there's no one's, NASA doesn't censor the flat earth theory. It's because you can look at it and some people are dumb enough to fall into it. Most people look at it and go, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. And then they go back to normal life. A well-informed populace can take, can, can, can take blows of misinformation and still learn and move forward and go, no, I don't think so. Some, a lot take the elixir. You can still have people that go, I'm not buying it. So to answer your question, I don't think you have to stop the flow of poison because if the, if the population is healthy enough mentally, you can dump all the poison you want on it. It won't take root. It won't grow. If that makes sense.
1: Yes. We, we, need to, we need to hear from both sides, right? And yeah. It doesn't matter how ridiculous your claim is. Let's talk about it. If someone comes to the racetrack and say, hey, Mike, stick this um, hair dryer into your air intake, it's going to increase your horsepower by 50%. I'll be like, okay, thank you very much. I'm not running, not running the lemon race. Yeah, I'm going to stick a hair dryer into my air intake. So same thing with COVID, with medicine, with life in general. So the saddest things I've seen in the past two years is seeing how socialism landed on the beach of California and spread across our country like a poisonous tentacle. That's the saddest things I've experienced. I I don't care if they take my license away tomorrow sheriff knocked on my door and take me to jail I, it doesn't bother me right? i can handle that but the, the saddest thing is to see you me my neighbor people in this state getting hurt getting quickly injured being poisoned by the propaganda they only wake up when they had a stroke affecting one part of the body and like, oh my God, the patient that came and saw me yesterday, 40-year-old said, is there anything I can do to sue the vaccine company? Right? He bought into the Kool-Aid and now he realized these are poison and stuff. So the sad thing I I have witnessed, it's just the destruction of our happiness, the ability to pursue happiness, the destruction of free speech, the destruction of medical freedom. And I, I definitely encourage you, Tommy, you're you a bright guy, you, you're very driven, energetic. I encourage you to get involved which way you can with your podcast. Heck, you know, run for political office. Every one of us, every one of us I have any sense of or, or, or drive and, and love for freedom and liberty, got to run for office. That's the only way that we can take our country back. Every one of us need to do it. I never thought I would run for Senate. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I used to laugh. My mom was kinda of into politics when I was little. I'm like, that's the last thing I want to do.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't want to do that. But then I look around the world, look around the country, look at all the people that come into my office <sighs> quickly injured, and I realize, oh my God, I can't believe that this is what I have to do.
0: It's um Yeah, when things are going well or relatively well, we have the luxury to look at politics and scoff. We go, "Ah, I don't want to be a slimeball politician. Those guys, because it kind of makes sense, right? When all the the pistons are firing and society's going well, you're like, why do you want to go into office? That just seems like you're after power. Probably rightfully so. But I think now we're seeing a shift in the mindset of individuals who would normally say, I'm never going to run for office. And now it's like, well, no, no, you have to run for office because things are going downhill fat. And the people who are in office are power hungry, slimy sleazeballs. I think you'll have a lot of people who are. I mean, I've had on Mike Durant several times. He's, you know, the the Black Hawk down pilot. He's yeah. from, he's from Alabama. He's running for US Senate. I've That's had insane. him yeah. I've had him on a, and I've done what I can to help him. I've had him on here with Dr. Malone. I've had him on here with Dr. McCullough. I've interviewed Joe Kent former Green Beret special forces his wife was also CIA she was killed in Syria in 2019 he's now the widower of of two young boys I've interviewed a ton of guys running for office a lot of military but like what Mike Durant said you know I was I was telling him I was like you know you're going to be a politician and he was like I don't ever call me a politician he was like that's not what I he's like that's disgusting he's like what I'm doing is I'm going in there and 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 I'm helping my country, but that's the mindset we have to have is we have to shift from this mindset of only low lives and, and, you know, parasites run for office. And now it's, no, now you kind of have to. And right now I'm doing the most I can, which I believe is through my pod. As the podcast grows, it's coming up on 10,000 subscribers. It's a little over two years old. I hope it keeps going up in an exponential manner. I can keep interviewing individuals running for office that I think I'm per I'm personally I'm more right-leaning but I've said it before I I don't care if someone's left-leaning that's fine I'm for people that are against vaccine mandates against endless wars and against uh censorship I don't really care who you are at that point you exactly. I, I don't I don't care at all you can have purple hair and say there's a hundred genders but if you're for free speech come on you can come on my podcast exactly so, that's what I'm trying to do right now. And I think I can do more power from this position. And if one day I think that I'll have to run for office, then I'll do that. For right now, I think it's running my own, it's my own podcast because I think the biggest Achilles heel of this socialist occupation is free speech. And so I'd rather put all of my force. It's like if you're trying to demolish a building, right? They don't just put bombs everywhere. They put the charges on specific beams so that the whole thing comes down. I look at free speech as the beam that's holding up this whole socialist occupation. I'm like, work smarter, not harder. So I'm just going to drill in on that one spot with my insane, like you said, that crazy work ethic. I'm like, I'll just take this thing and just point it at that. If I can do it to ace the MCAT, I can do it to undermine CNN and I can have a blast while I'm doing it. So why not? That's kind of my logic.
1: You have a calling as a podcaster. Your job is critical to ensure our uh, free speech, our freedom to speak um, stays alive. And my job right now is critical as a physician. If I did not do my job, can you imagine how many thousands of people will be dead, will be injured, right? But there comes upon a time that calling may switch and change. And... And it may happen to you. It may not happen to me. I may not make it as a senator. But being putting myself out there, they just basically bring all effort up to the forefront. Uh, my opponent now realized that recently at a Republican debate, there were seven panelists that vote who they going to want to endorse. And they voted four to three in my favor. And, and this guy has millions and millions of dollars. And they were just floored, floored. I announced my campaign literally a week before the debate. Okay. I like that. So that. they understand that we have this thing that, that people need to listen to. So that being said, um, I do want to encourage um, people come onto my site and, and it's huangsenate.com. Support us any way you can. It's h-u-a-n-g senate, senat com. Uh, we need to make it through the jungle primary um, in, in, on June 7th. And if I make it through as a top two candidate, we have a shot making it the, to the Senate. Yeah.
0: Beautiful. I'll put that link in the description of the video, as always. And uh, any social media you have on there, I'll plug as well. Um, and yeah, I think uh, I think you're doing God's work and i'll happily have you back on here my, my my platform is yours to use and uh i think it's a i think this is a good hill to die on i think it's a so good fight to have
1: tommy i i'm not sure one last question or comment sure. i'm not sure how many people you have interviewed that physician like myself that treated thousands of COVID patients um i can probably tell you that of all the COVID patients i treated and this statement will probably uh get you um Censor, cancel. And oh, it, I'm
0: already banned from YouTube. It's fine. So I can't get banned anymore. It's fine.
1: Um, just want to let you know of all the patients I treat, I never wore a mask once. Yeah,
0: that's what Dr. McCullough says. He doesn't wear a mask either.
1: So just want to let you know that uh, what the truth is, you're looking at the truth of this uh, pandemic. It's a, it's a very bad cold. Once you have natural immunity, you're, you're good. And yeah. people literally uh, come and see me. They're like, oh my gosh, you're not wearing a mask. I'm like, yeah, you're looking at the truth. Yeah. So the yeah. natural immunity really works. Yeah. So just want to get a uh, word out there for your listener.
0: Yeah. I, I don't wear a mask. I haven't had the vaccine. I've had COVID twice. And I'm fine. Awesome. And I do what so Dr. McCullough said. Vitamin D, zinc, quercetin, turmeric. The very wow. sentence that got me banned from YouTube. Okay. Been working for me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Anytime you have a topic you would like to discuss, you you think uh, if you find me on internet or social media and say, Oh, Hey, there's this thing. I had to uh, talk to Mike uh, a couple. I would like to address Just Go ahead. Give me a shout out and text me. You got my phone number so we can talk anytime.
0: Absolutely. And the, and the same goes for you. If you ever want to come back on and I haven't contacted you, it's not because I don't want to have you back on. It's because I'm juggling a million guests at once. And I, I've, they come in, they come out, and I'm like I said, I'm it's a one man show. So if uh, okay. if you don't get an invite from me anytime soon, it's not because I don't want you. It's because it's just escaped my mind. So please do not hesitate to reach out to me as well.
1: If uh, I make it through the primary, I may give you uh, a, a quick text to say, hey, there's these couple things we need to address to to oh, yeah. November. Yeah. So we can maybe have another quick check. Another- absolutely,
0: absolutely. And if you need to do it again uh, before the jungle primaries, let me know. And we'll put it together. No problem. Thank you so much, sir. Thank thank you. I will quong for Senate. Link in the description. Thank you, sir. All right. All right. God bless you as well. God bless. God bless America. Thank you so much.